0: All right, everybody, welcome back to Speaking of Wounds. It's a podcast by the Wound Care Learning Network, and I'm your host, Steve Burquist. And we've got a special guest today. This is Tracy Kimball, Dr. Tracy Kimball with us. And um, guys, if you haven't looked her up, you should hit LinkedIn, because she's LinkedIn. And it's really because of her uh, background and who she is and who she's developed into. So this is a marvelous doctor who has trained as a surgeon and then as a vascular surgeon, but actually found her place in taking care of wound patients. So uh, we see this overall expertise behind her and a care that she really has for depth, And that's what we're going to tap into today. So Tracy, I'm glad to have you on the podcast.
1: Thanks, Stephen. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks Wound Care Learning Network uh, for inviting me to be on the show.
0: Listen, you uh, found your way into uh, a layout or a, or a a way of handling patients that you refer to as Pace, which is just really the uh, program P for program of all A, all inclusive C for care of the elderly. So Pace, and you know. It's really beautiful because I think we actually, as practitioners, often think about how can I do better for a patient, and yet we get overwhelmed with, I can't make that happen. And you're in the middle of making it happen. So I'm hoping you're going to talk to us a little bit about ways that inspire each of us as practitioners to be able to you know, grab hold and make a step toward this program of all-inclusive care of our elderly.
1: Thanks, Steven. Yes, um, I've been a part of PACE now for about three years, and um, it's a wonderful uh, model of care. Um, it's a nice, it provides an umbrella of care for participants. We call them participants because we um, empower them to participate in their care um, and make, a, make good choices. Um, our program focuses on the interdisciplinary Nature of wound care management. Um, And uh, it is that interdisciplinary team that has been uh, developed in our program that consists of physician provider clinicians as well as nursing staff, allied health professionals, Um, in addition to social workers and our program of all inclusive care day center staff. So to back up, PACE is an all-inclusive care program, offers local adult daycare centers in their territories. And we're currently in uh, five states um, with uh, the PACE program that I'm a part of, but there's PACE programs all across the country. Um, They are a, um, our participants are dual eligible patients. So they are Medicare beneficiaries first, um, meet the age criteria of greater than 55 and older, and then they would also qualify for their state Medicaid program to become an enrollee and a participant participant with our program. Um, They are assigned a primary care team and as a wound care specialist, I'm actually a part of that primary care team. I have an integrated uh, position with our primary care team um, staff and clinicians. And so that's really crucial to be able to provide the care that I provide because I have a direct line of conversation to the primary care provider. And that's either a physician or a nurse practitioner with our program. Underneath, go ahead.
0: I was just going to ask I mean, we, we know that the. Uh the patient's uh, desire is very important. And that's not really where this podcast is going. So when I sort of leave out the patient at this moment, it's not that I'm leaving out the patient and patient's desire. It's just that I'm really wanting to focus our time a little bit. So as you're bringing up the subject of this PACE system, which is so beautifully intertwined, I want you to please point out the tidbits that a person that doesn't have the pace system around them, but they can pick up these pearls and and uh nuggets here to do something toward this in their home place, so talking about the practitioners, go ahead,
1: yeah, so it's really obviously the have as a wound care um provider and coordinator of wound management for the case, um I find it very crucial that you have a direct line to the primary care provider so. Um, that's collecting uh, your um, your contacts and uh, making citywide um, contacts and reaching out to uh, the primary care providers who are referring to you, um, if you whether that be a, a wound care center attached to a hospital or all the way through a private clinic or even working in a SNF, because um, it's very crucial, especially um, mm-hmm. when we are trying to coordinate care and um, we're trying to uh, empower the participant um, and also engage the primary care provider. It's very crucial that you have that direct line. So I definitely have a conversation with my primary care providers. Um, <clears throat> for me, it's a little easier because of my volume that I can do it one-on-one pretty much after every visit, but I would say it's best. We need to focus on trying to have at least a contact, um, a touch uh, once a month. Um, because we know that in wound care, we, we, we formulate care plans on a four week basis. Um, and, uh, and I think touching base with your providers, um, once a month is very good in terms of the provider of care, being me, the wound care provider, um, you know, you are, you are the leader of this team. And, uh, and so, um, you know, you need to have your uh your your deck right in front of you because you also need to be able to reach out and coordinate care with the downstream um specialist so i i look at myself and the pace has given me that hat as a primary care provider for the skin and so um we know we manage other you know comorbidities so diabetes hypertension um we, at least we need to know about these things. So, uh, and then all the, and to the, to vascular disease. And obviously I bring vascular medicine into my, um, into my, uh, my roadhouse, but because of my, my training. Um, but I definitely have a conversation with the vascular surgeons and the procedural based specialties that I utilize when I need, um, when you need to maximize vascular status. So, so I, got, I got a
0: question on, on specifically talking to the downstream, as you mentioned, practitioner. So when I call a practitioner to arrange for my patient to have this subspecialty that they need in their overall care, and we talk, uh, if it's not an emergency, oftentimes it's a space of time before they see that practitioner who will have slept. X number of times since then, and seen a uh, you know hundreds of patients or whatever since then. Um, what do you do to get that conversation to to actually get looked at and not forgotten when that patient gets there? Do you have a secret for that?
1: Yeah. So um, I over communicate.
0: <laughs> so oh, okay, Not okay. only <laughs> I,
1: am I not only am I having a verbal telephone conversation with the provider, but I I take and write extensive. Uh, referral notes. Um, and then I have, and then I have a team, um, of nursing staff that I work <laughs> with, um, that helps to follow up and translate that information. Um, we fax over my notes with all of my wound images, um, any ancillary studies. Typically I get a lot of ancillary studies prior to the referral. I, I basically deliver the participant to the surgeon, um, in an, in a nice, uh, a nice package. Um, the, the 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 at least the history and the the medical background, um, and uh, and then I just again make that that less than five minute phone call just to say hey here's a heads up of this participant coming in, and um, and I and I have a lot of confidence in the surgeons that I work with. They uh, they they uh, w- we we we've been doing this long enough. And I think that they they always tend to address the issue um as I've needed them to and uh and I think keeping them um keeping that line open because then if they have any particular questions they're returning the phone call and saying, you know, hey, I just saw your patient and this is what I think. Um, and uh and then if I if I'm not referring patients to them or I'm not having a vascular case and it's been a long time, I still do check-ins um with my with my specialists. Hey, just to say hi, how are you doing? You know, how are things going? um but i also have something i always have something out there in anticipation of connection so um and what i mean by that is that uh we always have something on the table like to do we need to get together to do this x if it's a breakfast if it's a conference if it's a meeting you know what are you got going on in your world is it something i'm interested in can i attend you know so we 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 keep that we keep that line of connection open in that rapport and and I think it's just a, it engenders a very subconscious accountability for all providers in question to remember that you know we need to follow up and uh, and 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 uh, and I think it, it helps with our outcomes
0: so I love it and moving right along because you just mentioned that you've got a nursing staff and a staff to help you. Bring all these pieces together, so that sort of jumps us in from uh, the practitioner piece to this is the associates, the nurses, the allied health professional, the nutritionists, the social workers this uh, context it, is there much difference here? It just pretty much flows just like you described to practitioners right
1: it does and the, and the way it really works is that we have dedicated um, Contact time on a weekly basis, where all of these professionals come together in a roundtable discussion. Currently, it's virtually, um, but prior to COVID, it was uh, in person, and everybody shows up with something to contribute to that care plan for that particular case uh, of wound. Um, and it, and like I said, it includes uh, my immediate um, first line nursing staff who I work with day to day in coordinating, um, orders and coordinating dressings, uh, for the particular, um, you know, mm-hmm. setting that the dressings are going to be provide, you know, performed dressing changes and care is going to be performed because every little setting might need a little bit of a tweak in terms of frequency or what particular dressings, especially if say it's a nursing home and we're using their, um, their uh, supply inventory and not ours that we, um, we stock. Um, and so they're, 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 they're leading that meeting. The, that representative of my nursing team is leading that meeting and coordinating um, all the different disciplines. Um, we have a note taker. We have uh, somebody that's updating the care plan and then doing, in doing that, we'll pro- provide a general overview and summary of the meeting. Um, and then we just go very algorithmically, very structured down each discipline, down the list. Um, and, uh, and so, and everybody knows when, when their time comes and when they're going to speak. And then, uh, and during that time, for example, we usually do an update of the wound. So my, my nurse, the nurse that's been managing and um, coordinating uh, that care plan will update the team Uh, as to the status of the wound, improving, stable, or worsening, and then give a little bit of detail as to why those things exist. Um, If there's any new wounds, update the team about new wounds. And then we move to rehab. And rehab professional, whether that's represented by a physical therapist, occupational therapist, um, the rehab team keeps a log of all of the DME that's been assigned to the participants. And so they will review that and update that to the and update that during the meeting, um, and then also talk about any challenges that's going on with supplying the DME. So, say getting the bed there or getting a cushion, or any non-compliance that the patient is having, or any other types of challenges such as donning or doffing a prosthetic. Um, the uh, the rehab professional will will provide that information. Um, but then they'll also talk about particular rehab um, programs that they're doing. So are they in a restorative program? Are they on an active rehabilitation program and some of and how they're doing? just giving a general high level overview of how they're doing with their core endurance or core functioning or their positioning. Um, so if a patient say a bedbound patient and likes to insist on staying on in their on their back and they have a sacral ulcer, that's really important because that helps me. When I'm thinking about improvement, why is this wound not getting better? Well, it's because the patient has no rotational ability to turn and rotate, or they just strictly do not or refuse it. Um, And then, then of course, all the adaptive environmental things that they can provide and work with, even just training the family. And so rehab is very crucial. So we have them listed as number two on the list. And then we go to nutrition. And the nutritionists will weigh in on whether or not supplements have been prescribed. They're doing monthly um weights on our patients. Um they they rarely do calorie counts, but if I request it or if I need if I'm feeling like I don't have a good sense of uh of the nutritional intake, or we have some lab markers that are suggesting um, you know, that the protein stores aren't increasing and we've we're maximized their caloric intake and their protein needs. Um, then I will do a calorie count just to get a more, uh, a better, uh, higher fidelity um, data analysis of really what their consumption is. And are we really truly missing a behavior issue? The patient's striking and safe or, or swallow issue. Um, you know, and that's why they're not consuming the calories that we think they need. That's why we're not seeing the weight gain that we think they need. That's why, or we're seeing weight loss or, and then that might explain why the wounds itself themselves aren't improving. Um, And then it tells me, well, have we maximized their nutritional uh, intake? Have we done what we can to provide them with with the nutrients, macro and micronutrients to get better? And then at that point, it helps steer whether or not this might be a more palliative case where the body is just not utilizing what it's being provided. Um and then find it, and then we can we usually have an ADHC staff that's adult daycare center staff um, and uh and they will usually talk about the incontinence protocols. so we talk about incontinence beha- and behaviors of in and in issues with incontinence at every meeting on every case um because obviously we know as wound care providers and professionals that moisture balance is very mm-hmm. crucial <laughs> in the um healing process. Uh, and, and skin health uh, of, of our patients. Um, <clears throat> and so whether or not incontinent supplies are being delivered to the home or the residents, most of our participants live either independently or in an assisted living setting. Um, and, uh, and so they will talk about the, 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 uh, the care of the incontinent program and if those supplies are being provided. Or need to be provided, and we also talk about barrier cream and treat skin treatment uh, plans at that juncture as well. And then, um, and then, usually there is somebody representing the case manager, social worker, um, discipline. Uh, when it's a when it's a particular serious case, um, they'll show up and uh, and talk about specifics in terms of housing transition, um, s level of care changes. Um, transitions of care and so they are our representation um, to, a lot of times to translate the the um, not so much the clinical information because they're not clinicians but but they synthesize whether or not the current level of care that the patient is residing in is appropriate um, for the the patient and then coordinate many team meetings, Amongst the bigger interdisciplinary team, that is the atlas of our program as a PACE program. The interdisciplinary team includes all of the, the individuals as a part of the care of that particular patient, not just the wound care, but the entire health. Um, and so they will translate information usually to that larger interdisciplinary team when, they, when the wound team is saying, you know, this, this may not be a good level of care. Uh, for the participant, they need 24 hour care, they need turning repositioning, they have no family um, or family doesn't, you know, can't help, Um, or our nurses need to be in there more than the twice a day, you know, minimum or maximum that we provide. Um, And so they're there to then coordinate that care after the team meeting is over, to get that patient to the appropriate level of care, or at least start the conversations with the medical power of attorney and or the participant saying, hey, we need to look at, you know, increasing and escalating your level of care because your wound and your body is suffering.
0: So in your situation, you don't actually have to work with uh, different home health companies.
1: In the Colorado, um, in the Colorado uh, territory, we don't. at least in the Denver metro area, um, we do have some services. We we have a uh, actually um, service in Aspen that is a home health agency that actually renders the care for us as a vendor. Um, it really just depends upon the state. Um, California, they do outsource the um, in-home service line uh, to an a home health agency to provide the care, but still the uh, practitioner is still the you know. Um, Helps to coordinate that, and uh, and really this wound care model that I'm you know representing is um, been flagshipped in the state of Colorado. So, um, uh, as to my knowledge, we're we're not we have not um, began to replicate this in our other territories.
0: So, <clears throat> the beauty of this is the stepwise all the pieces are being covered and we're going to run out of time if I don't bring up the other, I feel like it's an important piece and that is it industry's is. role. Uh, I think actually industry has a great role in this. So I'd, I'd like to hear from you on that.
1: Um, and so in terms of our pace program <laughs> uh, for, for my pace program, industry, um, works very, works directly with our purchasing, um, our purchasing uh, staff in terms of getting us the necessary um, uh, DME uh, dressings that I have a preference for and um, and getting those things um, in our hands. Um, I think outside of the PACE model, if somebody was going to re- try to replicate this but not be considered PACE, um, I think industry can be very intimately involved in these particular meetings in terms of perhaps coordinating um, the technology uh, aspects of getting all, all, you know, getting all these individuals in the same virtual room. I think industry also um, can continue to support and educate the wound care professionals um, by co- you know, perhaps having a, a more um, when maybe there's smaller pop-ups of this model happening in a city. Maybe the industry professional, because they have a wider set of eyes and ears, can bring small, these these groups together in a more citywide uh, type of uh, um, type of uh, model, and that way there's a introducing that overlap between the regions. Because I really, I mean, while I while there's just me, I'm covering five for, well. I cover six uh, regions or catchments for the Gen- Denver Metro area and Front Range. Um, but still our outliers um, don't necessarily always get the benefit of having me in their meetings. And and so, um, and sometimes just even just coordinating with those outliers is difficult. Um, so, you know, I have, to, um, I have to really work hard at it and, and uh, to get that to happen. And handshake, um, but a leader, an industry professional who has a larger territory and coverage, um, can get these, you know, interdisciplinary teams talking and handshaking a little bit better. And so, they're, you know, if the participant uh, or the patient does end up moving or relocating, there's that that there's that synergy there where that flow of knowledge is um, is 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 open and is happening, and so that continuity of care continues.
0: Listen, uh, Tracy, as you're <clears throat> noticing and, and as our listeners are noticing, it almost feels rushed just because there's so much great information here. And we're trying to plug it into about a 20-minute podcast. So not rushing like the information is not great, but just trying to plug this in. Uh, I would love just to sit and talk more. We're basically out of time. But let me uh, make mention of a couple of things to our listeners. One. If you want to review just the overview of this, uh, Dr. Tracy Kimball has uh, published for us in the Today's Wound Clinic, March 5th, 2020, volume 14. Uh, So you can see this article in the March issue uh, from Dr. Tracy Kimball, and it just sort of sums it up Beautifully, it's a it's a great little write up. It's not something that you're going to have to get lost like you're reading the textbook. It's it's a nice write up. I think everyone will enjoy seeing that. And listeners, thanks for tuning in today because we appreciate you listening and checking us out. And we want you to go to woundcarelearningnetwork.com. dot com. That's right, woundcarelearningnetwork.com. dot com, and look for more of the podcasts and articles and the videos. We've got them there. And subscribe to some of these podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. So we hope you tune in next week for our next podcast on uh, Speaking of Wounds. Thanks so much, Tracy.
1: Thank you.